We're going to be over in Romans chapter 14 and a number of other places here this morning. Last week we were looking at being and becoming. I need to know those things that I am and continue to be, as well as what I need to do to adapt to others. We looked at how Paul did. Today we're looking at how to, well, I'll put it to you this, most Christians desire to be strong in their walk and not weak. That's what our desire is. I would think most of us even have an opinion that our walk is stronger. Perhaps our opinion is that our walk is stronger than what God thinks it is. But we have an opinion of our of our walk. And we all desire that we would have a strong one. But if we identify the path of, of what a weak walk is, the pathway of strength should also become clear. So if I can see what are the things that keep my walk weak... And if I can identify those things and keep them out of my life, I can keep myself on a path of a strong walk by just not doing those things that weaken me. You all know that in your diets, there are certain things that weaken your your bodies. And you try and not have as many of those. Thanksgiving, you know, we have desserts. And desserts, uh, Nikolai made one of my favorite desserts for um, uh, for that. It's, It's not an easy dessert. It's a very difficult one. There's a lot of, everything is scratch except for the, uh, lady fingers. There's lady fingers and it's called lady finger cake, but, uh, all the other stuff is scratch. And so, um, my wife has made it before. He made it. It's just one of those cakes that, uh, doesn't last long. And <laughs> it is very, very high in calories. So I was, uh, apparently not too many people were eating that, but I had that one. And so, you know, you, you don't want to indulge in these kind of things too often because it can weaken you. And it can, uh, it can do some, you got, you got to focus in on some of the other, the other things that you do, you know, the, the meat and the potatoes and the vegetables and the stuff like that to strengthen your body. And how many of you were real good on getting some of your, your, um, uh, the good stuff in on Thanksgiving? How many ate some of the good stuff on, on Thanksgiving? There you go. All right. Yeah, I had some corn. And I had some mashed potatoes and some scalloped potatoes. And there were yams out there on the table. I did not endeavor to, to take any of those. I don't like any yams in any shape or form. You, there is nothing good about a yam for me. Never has been since I was a kid. Just didn't like them. Now I'm about the only one. Now there's only probably, there's one more that doesn't, doesn't care for them a whole lot, but, um, I just don't like them. I think they're better for you, aren't they? Maybe that's the, maybe that's the kicker. Maybe that's the problem. But I had my meat and potatoes and, Got some veggies in there and then had indulged in some of the desserts. But if you do, if we all eat the way we ate on Thanksgiving all the time, our bodies probably wouldn't be as good a shape as they, as they are. And so we want to identify what are those things that we do that keep us weaker. In Romans chapter 14 verse 1, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. It's okay to go out there and to take some people that are weaker in the faith and accept them, bring them on in. But don't bring the doubtful things in. When they start bickering over things, well, we're not sure about this, you know, if somebody wants to bicker over, well, this is about end times. And there are some things we know for sure about end times and there are some things that we don't know a whole lot about. You know, people want to be real, real dogmatic about the millennial period. There's not a whole lot we know about the millennial period. We know some things. We know when it starts and we know when it ends. We know what happens at the end, but there's a whole lot of stuff in the middle we don't know about. There are people, though, who have very strong opinions about all these things, and uh, 
and, and don't get to the to the point where we have to just take these things that are disputed. Well, we got to get to an agreement on that. No, if you want to go that, if you want to believe that, you go ahead, you do that. I'm not going to agree with you on that, but I'm still going to have fellowship with you on that. We're still going to go this way. You, if you start agreeing with people who believe things that are not set in the Word, you will set yourself on a path of weakness. You don't need to follow that. That's why they're weak. Because they accept things that are not in the Word as though they're so. And you don't want to be, you don't want to do that. You want to take things that are for sure, and follow that. Like, just like in the, the media today, the media is always saying, follow the science. Follow the science. Except they don't follow the science. The very things they say follow the science on, the science doesn't say it. Uh, you know, follow the science, there is no God. No, if you follow the science, obviously there is a God. Because there's order in the universe. Somebody has to establish that order. And the person who establishes the order has to be bigger than the thing that we're establishing the order in. If you're not bigger than the thing you're establishing the order in, you can't establish the order. And the only way you have science is to have laws. And those laws have to be consistent. They have to work the same way each time. So if you want to say, follow the science, there is no God, that's wrong. That's why, who was that guy in the wheelchair? Everybody used to say he was the smartest guy in the world. I, I thought he was rather much, much, much further down on the totem pole than I... Because anybody who could say they knew that much about the universe and pushed God out of it obviously didn't know what they were talking about. Follow the science as it, as it is. Anyway, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dis- disputes over doubtful things. Don't let those disputes come in. People, they want to dispute over stuff that are doubtful. They want to dispute over things that are not set. Don't get into disputes over that. If it's not set in the Word of God, then just, you know, just, just walk out of it. Now, I used to go after disputes like that. I, I was weaker, I was stupider, and I used to love a, a good argument when I was in college and, and uh, even after that. But I learned, no, there's no good thing here, and so I, I dropped out of those things. People want to have disputes over that, I just, well, it's not in the Word, so we're not going to do a whole lot with it. For one who believes, he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. So you see, I'm strong, <clears throat> you vegetarians are weak. It's in the Bible, it's right there. <laughs> For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, they only eat vegetables here not because of a vegetarian mentality. Understand what he is writing to them about. Sometimes we think of the Bible in terms of where we live today. This is not a vegetarian mentality. This is not a debate of meat is bad for you. It has absolutely nothing to do with the meat. This is coming from Corinth, and in Corinth they had a lot of sacrifices to idols. So much of the meat in the meat market went through the sacrifice process and was part of what was sacrificed to the idols. Then they sold it in the meat market. And there were many people who said, I don't want to participate in the sacrifice to the idols, so I'm not going to eat the meat that they sell in the meat market. That's the debate. The debate is not whether meat is better than vegetables or vegetables are better than meat. It's missing the point of what is what is here. Now, what he's saying is that a strong person... Well, let's just read it. He explains it. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. In other words, the person who eats meat, don't despise him who doesn't. Well, look at that poor schmuck over there. They're just uh, not eating the good stuff. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. See, this just brings in disputes. The people who were not eating the meat sacrificed to idols 
We're not buying it in the marketplace. We're judging those. They would see the people come in. They would buy the meat. Ah, oh, I know. I know about you. You were just in church worshiping God. Now you're out here doing this. So that can come up. Don't let that go on. Now, if you want a modern day uh, way to transfer this over, don't let him who gets vaccinated despise him who doesn't. Don't let him who doesn't get vaccinated despise him who does. Don't let him who wears a mask despise him who does or doesn't and vice versa. So those are some modern things. This is just what's going on now. You know, 10 years ago, it could have been something else. Whatever it is that causes us to look down on another because of a practice that they are doing, as we said, well, they're adapting to the world. Well, they're doing, well, they're weakening their body. Well, they're not protecting. And we go over all the, no. Let not him who gets vaccinated despise him who did not get vaccinated. And let not him who got vac- who did not get vaccinated despise him who did. Don't do it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. If you decided for whatever reason you were going to, fine. We don't we don't uh, screen you at the door. Um, let's see, were you were you not? We don't care. I, I told you before. I'm not vaccinated. I'm not going to get vaccinated. There's other people who who have done so, and maybe it's not your battle. To fight. We went over that in the, before. Maybe it's not your battle to fight that one. Maybe it is your battle to fight. You have to decide for yourself which way that you're going to go on it. And, but don't you, because God has said to you, you need to fight this. You did not fight this. You need to do this. You need to not do this. God has spoken to your spirit what to do. Don't despise someone who is doing otherwise. It's just the way that the devil tries to get the vision and get us to focus on the wrong things. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. In other words, if we got people in the, in the body of Christ and God has received them, who are you to reject them? God knows all things. He knows the hearts. He knows the plans for them. And if God has said, I've accepted them, who are we to reject them? Don't be doing it. You don't want to be standing before God and said, and God says, hey, wait a minute, I... I approved that one and you disapproved him. And you operated that one. Why'd you do that? Who are you to judge another servant? See, they're, they're God's servant. They're not your servant. They're God's servant. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one, one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. If you were to say... Well, Sunday is the day to worship God. And we got a church over there that worships God on Saturday. Well, they're not Christian. Well, they're not. No, if they wanted to worship God on Saturday, that's fine. The early Jews, they worship God on Saturday. It got switched over to Sunday for um, different uh, theories are out there as to why it got moved on over. But there's still Seventh-day Adventist churches out there, and they meet on Saturday. There are some churches that don't have a building, use somebody else's building. They don't use it on Saturday, so they use it on Saturday. And then the other church who has the building uses it on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with that. Just, you got a day to worship God? That's that's what he's saying. So if one worships on God on this day, don't despise them because you worship on a different day. If one considers this day holy and you say it's not holy, if one person's out there and they love Christmas, 
<clears throat> I'm in that camp. I love Christmas. It's the day that XM Radio began playing the Christmas music. It was on in my truck. That was the beginning of November. I had been playing Christmas music in my truck all this month. And I will continue to play it all through December. And fortunately, I have stations that play it all year long. I love Christmas music. It's my favorite music. You may not. You may have the opinion that no Christmas music until Thanksgiving. That's fine. Don't despise me who starts Christmas music early. My wife came to me and she said, do you mind if I put the Christmas decorations out? This is before Thanksgiving, November. I said, no, I don't even like it when you take them down. <laughs> so she, she started putting them up. She likes Christmas stuff too. It's, uh, we, we both, we're, we're in agreement that way. We both like Christmas. We like Christmas stuff. Now some people say, well, Christmas is a pagan, Christmas is a pagan holiday. It was, you know, moved to a pagan holiday and so forth. And I don't understand all that sort of stuff. But I know what my focus is at Christmas. And I know of no holiday that has more of a greater focus on Christ than any other holiday that we have through the, through the year in the eyes of the world. Now, of course, Resurrection Sunday is also a real big one, but that doesn't have the same view in the world that Christmas does. So if you dishonor, you don't like it, you think that doing Christmas dishonors things, don't despise him who honors Christmas. And uh, if you honor, honor Christmas, don't despise those who don't. Whatever holiday you want to celebrate, that's fine. If somebody wants to go around and call it Resurrection Sunday, Easter, that's fine. I don't get mad. I don't get go out there and I don't start correcting people. Hold on a minute. Don't you dare call the resurrection of our Lord by a, by a Greek God. And you know, you can get in their face about it and you'd be right, but it, that's not what it means to them. So don't despise, don't get into these are just disputed things. These are not important things. Don't let these be the one. Don't become the weaker person. Where do we leave off at? Verse 5. So one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So as long as you know where you're going, you've got scriptures for it, you've got reasons for it, you're convinced, whatever it might be. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, and he gives thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose again, and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. If I look upon my brother and I see that brother doing something that I don't think should be done or not doing something that I think should be done and I judge them, and I get into debates with them, and I do, and I um, have a lack of unity with them, a lack of love to them, because of this issue that I am elevating this issue to a level that it should not be, and I am taking another servant, judging their their uh, their um, rightness before God. What I'm doing is I'm putting myself in a place of judgment 
when I get to heaven, when I get before God, I'm putting myself in that place of judgment <clears throat> instead of letting God do the work. Instead of letting God do the judging. If God has something with this person who observes or does not observe, let God take care of it. That's not for us to do. Let him do it. Don't get upset about it. The devil just loves to sow seeds and discord. Well, those people over there, they don't believe this about the virus. They don't believe this about these things. They don't believe this about the end times. They don't believe this about days to worship. Don't let those things get in. If they don't want to, they don't have to. If you want to, go ahead. Keep on going. And so this is what he was telling them to do here. Um, don't put yourself in that place of a judge. When we do this, and how many have ever been judged by, other, by another Christian for something that you did? And you felt it. Yeah. How, did it endear you to them? Did it make you want to receive from them? Did it make you grow spiritually? It had no positive effects. And yet we will step out and do the same thing to other people. The people who helped us to grow are the people who saw what we were doing and just loved us. Didn't make an issue out of it. Just loved us and went on. And if we asked them a question, you know, what do you think about observing Halloween? Well, they would tell us. And they still didn't, uh, they wouldn't press you if you decided to observe Halloween and to go out to do the things that were there or if you decided to stay home and not do the things there. They didn't, they didn't press you for it. This is where we need to go. These are the people that, that helped you to grow. If you can become that to other people, not only will you help them grow, but you will endear them to you. And when you need support, they're more than likely to help you. If you had people in your life, and we all said we, we did, we had people in our life who judged us, made us feel less than and we feel not endeared to help them, you're not building your support team. You just took an opportunity with somebody who could be on your support team and you distanced them. You pushed them away. And the day will come when you say, God, where are the people to help me? And God says, I sent them to you. But you didn't, uh, you didn't love them. You didn't do the things that the Word of God told me, told you to do. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. So a number of things here. Exhort, we exhort you, brethren. This is the, this is not the world. This is the brethren. Warn those who are unruly. Didn't say beat them. Said warn them. Comfort the faint-hearted. Didn't say to beat them either. Didn't say that, you know, what are you, what are you all so down about? Get up. Come on. Let's go. Uphold the weak. That word there is what we're going to take a look at. The word for uphold. Be patient with all. How many? All. Be patient with all. More often than not, our troubles come in. We're not being patient with some of the people we should be. Uphold the weak. This word here for uphold means to cling to, to hold fast, or adhere to. It is only used in the New Testament middle voice, and it means to keep oneself directly opposite to anyone, hold to him firmly, cleave to, pay heed to him. So someone has uh, is near you, and they tripped, and they fell over something, and they hurt themselves, and they can't walk. How many have ever had a buddy, a friend, you're walking somewhere, they tripped, they fell, and they have a hard time getting up, they had a hard time walking afterwards. Ever been around a situation like that? And so what do you do when that occurs? 
you go and you help them. You take, you take your strong arms and strong legs and healthy ones and you help lift them up. And then sometimes, you know, they're, they're, uh, leaning on you and they're carrying you. You're upholding them. I think one of the most, uh, iconic images of this is, uh, one of the, I forget what year the Olympics were, but, uh, Mary Lou Retton. Anybody remember her? And she, she did that last vault on a broken leg. And after she uh, stuck the landing as good as she can with a broken leg, uh, her coach came up and she's limping. He's helping her. I mean, he's got his arm around her. He's, he actually picked her up. He is upholding one who is weak. Now, this person is not weak that they can't walk, but they were injured. They Something happened that they couldn't do it. When we come across a believer, when we cross, come across somebody who for a moment has, has stumbled, has fallen, has become weak, we're not to be over there busting on them. We're to be over there helping them out. We're not supposed to go on over there. Come on. Buck up. Get up. Why are you doing down there on the ground? No, we want to go on down there. We want to, we want to help them. We want to get them up. We want, if they, they need help to get to a bench to sit down, if they need a ride somewhere, we want to get them to the car. We want to do something. We want to take them up. And, uh, we, now this isn't something that you do all the time. If that person is injured, you know, you, you put them on your shoulder, you carry them, you, you help them over to where they're going to until they get to, you, I want to get you to a place. You don't commit your life, do you? Well, for the rest of your life, I will be by your side and I will help you get where you need to go. Well, no, that's not what we're doing. And that's not what this word is talking about. It's talking about when something has, has stumbled and fallen, something has gone on. And instead of jumping on them, instead of getting on their case about it, we go over there, we, we help them, we uphold them. They, they can't do it right now, so we get in there and we uphold them. We pull them in to keep oneself directly opposite to anyone. I gotta be right there next to him to hold to him firmly, cleave to or pay heed to. Some other places where this is used in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal. There's our word. He will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Loyal in that it will park itself right next to this particular thing. It will be loyal. That's what loyal is. You, you stay right next to, directly opposite. I'm going to be right, right next to that thing. Here's another place where it's used. Titus 1, 9, holding fast. The faithful word has, has been taught. Holding fast. So we take that, that, that truth. We take that thing that we were taught and we hold onto it. We keep it right next to us. So what makes a weak person need and even potentially respond to this kind of support? Well, something that's occurred in their life, something has, has happened, maybe an event that caused sadness, an event that caused loss, an event that something happened, and you come in and help them with that. And that endears them to you. They are, they were the weak. And you came in to, to help them with it. And the purpose is to get them stronger. The purpose is that they don't need you there anymore. When you're helping this person up from this. In 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1, now concerning things offered to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, I was thinking Corinthians before, but this is where he's talking about the idols as far as the Corinthians were, were concerned. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. 
But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. You see, most of the cities in the Roman Empire had worshipped to idols. Some of them had worshipped to emperors. Rome had a whole lot of it. They had worshipped to the emperor. They had worshipped to idols. Ephesus, you know, it had the, uh, several goddesses that were talked about in the book of Acts. That the, uh, they got into riots because they saw Paul as against them. Corinth had their own the, uh, idols that they would worship. Idols that were not necessarily unique to just that city, but each city would have two or three that they were really known for. And the, the meat that was offered in the market was around these particular things. You could pull just about any major city out of the Roman Empire and every one of them had some kind of idolatrous worship. Not just one idol, two, three. And they had a lot to pick from because the Roman gods were built off of the Greek gods. And Greeks loved their gods. They had lots of them. The Romans just changed their name. They just changed them from Greek names to Roman names. But they kept everything about them. And so you had all these gods that are up there and these gods are always fighting with each other. And then these gods would come down and they would have kids with the, the people on the earth and then they would be something between not a god and not a human. They would be kind of in between. And... Uh, they, did, they had all kinds of stories. They just loved writing stories about all these. But they had a whole lot of gods. And so one city may, may take up two or three or maybe one. Uh, I think Diana was the, the main god for Ephesus. And they had other ones. But this was the main one. They had the big temple. The main temple for Diana was there. So wherever you went as in a Roman city, you would find this kind of thing going on. So Rome would have it. Corinth would have it. Ephesus would have it. Uh, Thessalonica. Certainly they... They had it. Uh, the book of Revelation talks about a number of this uh, idol, idolatrous worship that would go in with the seven churches that were in those seven cities. But let's continue to read here. If anyone thinks and he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world in that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, there are many gods and many lords. Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for Him and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. However, there is not in every one that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So what he's saying is people were in these cities. They wanted meat. They didn't want to be seen as non-meat eaters because I'm sure that there was persecution to become on those. Why aren't you eating meat? Well, I don't believe in those gods. What? <laughs> you don't believe in the gods of our city? You're going to bring problems onto our city if you don't believe in the gods of our city. And so you could see there could be some pressure built up for them. And so not everybody wanted to make that stand. And so some would just say, well, I, I don't think I should do this, but I'm going to do it so I don't run into trouble. You probably can't imagine anybody doing something like that today. But that that would be what was going on there. I don't want to run into trouble, so I'm going to go ahead and eat the meat. Uh, but I feel bad about it because I'm eating meat sacrificed to an idol. And other people who had knowledge of this, well, that's no God. That's just a statue. That's just a stupid story. That's not a God. There's only one God and everything else is nothing. I don't care. Give me that meat. I'll eat it. (laughs) 
It's just meat you went through a stupid ceremony on. It doesn't bug me to eat it. And so they would go ahead and eat it. But you see, there are some people, they would see this and they would say, hmm, there's, there's Christian so-and-so. And boy, I have a lot of respect for them and I'm trying to follow after some of the things they do. And they're over there. They're eating the meat. This is sacrificed idols. Why is he compromising himself like that? Why is he doing things like that that he, well, he, he shouldn't do that. And so the, the, their mind would be going. So that's what he's writing about. We left off at seven. Let's go look at uh, eight. But food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. <laughs> Paul's just trying to look at it's not gonna, it's not gonna hurt you. It's meat. It's not like it's poisoned meat. It's not like something got injected into the meat that you're about to eat. It's just meat. It's, it's, it's not gonna hurt you. But the, if you have the wrong attitude, that can hurt you. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? But you see, their conscience bothers them. Yours doesn't. So you go out there and you you eat the meat because your conscience doesn't bother you. But their conscience does. And then they see you eating the meat. So they're going to go ahead and eat the meat. But their conscience is bothering the whole time. To him who knows a thing to be sin, it is sin. It doesn't matter whether it is sin. If you think it's sin, then it is. It's just like when we were little. And you know, you're around your friends and they want to do something. And you're not sure if mom would allow it. But you go ahead and do it. Well, to you it's what? It's sin. You could have gone and checked with mom or dad. Hey, is it okay if I do this? But you're thinking they're going to no, and I really want to do it. So you go out there and you do the thing. <laughs> but see, to you it's sin because you didn't check it out. You don't know. Now, it might be when you get on home, you say, what did you do? Well, I went over here and did this. Oh, well, good. Did you have fun? And you're thinking, oh. <laughs> if I knew that kind of response, I would have come back and told you. But you see, you did something that was okay to do, but to you it was sin. Because you didn't know it was okay at the time. Beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple... Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So here's, this is his philosophy of his uh, teaching before of becoming all things. If I'm around people who don't eat meat, I become a vegetarian while I'm around those people. I'm not changing my belief, but I'm adapting what I do to help the people that I'm around. So among the vegetarians in Paul's day, vegetarian because they're not eating the meat sacrificed to idols, among the people not eating the meat, I will eat vegetables. I don't like vegetables particularly, but I will eat them. And if I'm around people who aren't bothered by this, then I will eat the meat. So you have to do a little bit of a reconnaissance. You have to know some things. Some things are going on. So something I do 
can cause a weak person to stumble. The reason is they don't know as much. Now, because a, a, a weak person has not learned some things, and I made a list in here for you to, to understand, this is the way that a weak person basically has become weak. <clears throat> a weak person has not learned to do some things that a strong person has learned to do. The first thing, a weak person has not learned to form beliefs from the Word. Very often, weak people form beliefs from what they think or what they see others doing. How many times have you heard this out of a person? Well, I don't think a Christian should do that. Have you ever heard that? Well, what's the chapter and verse on that? Well, I don't have chapter and verse on that, but I don't think that I'll do that. See, they've formed a belief, but it's not based on the Word. Now, it's not just negative things that happen that way. Other things, in faith people, we can sometimes believe things, but have no Word on it. Well, I just believe that God's going to give me an oil well. Well, why do you believe that? Because God told me that He's going to cause me to prosper. And if I had an oil well, I'd prosper. Well, what scripture are you basing that on? Well, that God wants me to prosper. But what scripture are you basing that God's going to give you an oil well? You see, we haven't, we haven't based anything on the scripture. God has not said. We used this example some time ago. But, you know, we're getting into the winter. And if the snow falls and we get two feet of snow and someone in here is over at home and they say, I don't want to go out and shovel my snow, I'm just believing God that Pastor Steve will come over and shovel my walk. <laughs> now, I never said I would come over and shovel your walk. But you might just, I'm just going to believe God and I'm just going to pray and use my faith and believe God that Pastor Steve is going to come over and shovel my walk. I'm just going to stay right here. And not do it. And you're waiting and you're waiting and Pastor Steve doesn't show up and shovel your walk. And then you get mad at God. God, how come you didn't send Pastor Steve come over here and shovel my walk? Well, you see, you had no word on it. Now, if I told you, I said, I will come over and shovel your walk if we get a lot of snow. Then you had a word to believe that on. But many Christians are taking their faith based on what they think not on what they know. And that's not something that we can do. we got to form beliefs from the Word. Very often when people come and they say, would you agree with me in prayer? Would you pray with me over this thing? What is it that we are standing... What is it? What verse are you standing on? What is it that you're asking God for? What verse are you standing on? And uh, just, you know, we had a lot of communication going on with a lot of people this week on things that they were facing in the in the uh, in situations. I love uh, the questions that come to me. What scripture? How can I pray? What does the word teach? And, you know, we can engage things in, along those lines and, uh, and help them to have scriptural beliefs on that. So form beliefs from the word. Weak people don't do that. They form beliefs from whatever they hear. If you want to see a, a principle of this, how many people have great faith that something the media says is true? Yeah, but but there's I I don't really know it. I mean, they may even show me pictures, but we already know they've altered pictures. They may play audio for you, but we already know they've altered audio. They've changed things and make it look like a certain way. 
So usually, my I've told you before, my, my first response whenever I hear, I don't watch the news, but whenever I hear a report that the news is saying this, I go the opposite way. If they're trying to make me think this person is guilty, I think they're innocent. If they're trying to make me think this person is innocent, I think they're guilty. I just go the opposite way. Whatever the media tells, whatever their point of view they're pushing, I just go the opposite way. And I start there. And then I work my way on back. If, if it's something important, I need to go do some research on it. If it's not, I just let it go. You all just believe whatever you want to about that. It's not, not something I'm going to get into. But form beliefs from the Word. That's one thing that weak people won't do. Second, hold to those beliefs despite what comes against them. Weak people do not hold to those beliefs despite what comes against them. They don't hold to it. As soon as something comes up, they leave it. Because it's not something that they held to. Even with all this stuff with the masks and the vaccines, how many times have we seen people flip-flop? Well, you know, uh, one vaccine is enough. Now it's two vaccines. Now it's three vaccines. Pretty soon be four vaccines and then five and then six and then seven and it's just going to keep on going. But they, they flip-flop. Whereas other people said, no, this is the way I'm going. This is the way I'm staying and we haven't moved off it. That's how you should be. Form beliefs off the word. This is what I'm going to do with. Stay with. This is how we're going to go. So form beliefs from the word. This is something weak people don't do. They don't hold to those beliefs despite what comes against them. And third, they don't recognize when an action is outside of those beliefs. They don't recognize it. They don't see. Well, don't you see that what you're saying that we should do is outside of the beliefs that you have? How many people remember the pictures of all these uh, uh, government officials who are telling you that you can only have 25 people at your funeral have 300 of theirs? All these people they are telling you that you can't have more than eight people over for your holiday have three, four, five hundred people over at their birthday party. No, that's fine. I don't care if they have three or four or five hundred people at their birthday. I don't care. I know they've got stadiums filled with thousands of people. It, it does not matter to me. I'm not up there, you know, protesting. Well, you shouldn't have. No, just don't impose what you don't believe on everybody else. Because obviously you don't believe it. If you believed it, you wouldn't live this way. Now, all these people want to pro- promote global warming that the, the earth is going to flood or buying beachfront property. Don't, don't tell me you believe that if you're going to spend all those millions on the beachfront property. Nancy Pelosi is the last one who, who joined in. She's ruined her state, so she's going to, you know, for retirement, she's planning. So have you heard this? She bought a multi-million dollar house on the beaches of Florida. I guess she likes how DeSantis has handled his state better than how <laughs> California has been. That's just, I, I laugh pretty hard at that. <laughs> Beachfront property, global warming, you really believe it, don't you? Yeah, if you really thought that all that property was going to be flooded out in five years, ten years, you wouldn't be spending all that money on it. So um, recognize when an action is outside those beliefs. A lot of these people in, in government, they don't recognize that the actions they're saying are necessary they're acting otherwise. So obviously they're outside of those beliefs. That's what weak people do. They form beliefs from the word. They hold to those beliefs despite what comes against them and they recognize when an action is outside of those beliefs. A weaker believer is one who will, who will do these things. This is the way they'll go. They'll follow after an action of another. They'll see another person doing something. Well, they're doing it, so I guess I can go ahead and do it. That's what a weaker believer will do. 
Sometimes they'll also look at an action that a person will do and reject that action, not, not look at the word, reject the action and go the opposite way. Well, they're still basing it off an action, not off the word. So they'll follow an action of another. They'll believe a condemning thought. The devil gives a condemning thought. Other people begin to give condemning thoughts of other people and they just adopt them. They just think that. Well, so-and-so, did you know that so-and-so did this? Really? And now I condemn them in my thoughts because of what somebody has told me. That's what a weaker person will do. They'll believe a condemning thought. And third, they'll walk in the darkness of a temptation. Temptation does not come with light. It comes with darkness. If I embrace the temptation, it will bring darkness into my life. We saw that from the very first temptation in the garden to all the other temptations that came out. Once we embrace the temptation, it brings darkness in our life. God doesn't want that darkness in your life. So He wants you to resist the temptation. So a weak believer is one who will follow after an action of another, believe a condemning thought, and walk in the darkness of a temptation. Now I want to take you over here to Matthew 14. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time here. I just want to read this and show you something. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea, and his disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said to him, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now we look at this, and we see how many people have ever walked on the water? Two. Jesus being one of them. Out of that, Peter is the only one. If you have only one person in the Bible, beside Jesus, who walked on water, Would you call his faith weak? I always thought, wondered about this. If he's calling Peter's faith weak, who jumped out of the boat, what's the faith of the eleven who stayed in it? (laughs) Now, of course, Jesus wasn't given much of a choice on this because Peter says, if it is you, and it was him, bid me to come. So, what could Jesus do? It's not me. No, it is me. So all Jesus could do was come. But more than likely, Jesus knows he's not ready, and so he's, but he's walking. If you are walking on the water, how many of you know that takes a certain amount of faith to walk on water? Because other people have not done it. I've heard many a minister who said they tried. <laughs> they admitted they tried and uh, failed, sank to the bottom. Most of them tried it on pools. 
Little, little safety net. Peter is doing it in a storm. That's, um, that takes some faith to step out in that, in that boat in a storm. I mean, it's one thing to step out on the, on the boat when it's calm in an ocean that's deep. On the sea that's deep. But he stepped on when it's, when it's moving. Now, brother, brother Creflo Dollar opened, uh, threw this out and I, I loved it. And it just gives me light on this, so I'll throw it out here to you too. When he comes to him and he says, let's read it again what Jesus says. O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Most times we read that, how many are thinking little in quantity? Little in quantity. He didn't have enough faith. And really, that's hogwash, because he's the only person we know of in the world who had enough faith to step out of the boat and walk on the water. And he didn't just, you know, stay up there for a little. He walked on the water. <laughs> that takes some faith. I've never done that. I can't call Peter one of little faith because he walked on the water. I didn't walk on the water. Who's the one who called him to have little faith? Jesus did. So something that Jesus did was greater than something that Peter did. But the people on the boat, we're not even talking about them. Because they didn't get out of the boat. They stayed. So he threw out this little little nugget. One who is faith, I'll put it, I wrote it to you, wrote it this way in your outline. One whose faith is strong, or one who has great faith, you could put it that way, is one who either has a larger quantity, and we've already talked about that, it's that's probably not what's going on here, or and here's the here's the good one. Endures longer. Is it possible that what Jesus is saying is you have little faith in that the little is not in how much faith he had because it got his faith got him out of the boat. The little was how long it endured. And you see, most times that people have a faith issue, it's not that they didn't have faith to get out of the boat, whatever your boat was. You had faith to get out of the boat. You had faith to get the thing started. You had faith to believe God for the financial need. You had faith to believe God for whatever it was that needed to come into your life. You had faith you got started, but you just didn't endure. You didn't stay with it long enough. The problem with Peter was not the quantity of faith that got him out of the boat. The problem was he didn't endure it. He saw, the, the word tells you, that he saw the waves. He saw, he heard the wind. All this stuff was coming against him. And he let the faith go that he had. And this is where most people run into a problem. It's not in getting myself started in what God says to do. It's keeping myself going. Because stuff comes at you. The waves are coming. The wind is boisterous. It's hitting you. And it's one thing when it's hitting you and you're in the boat. And it's another when it's hitting you and you're on the water. And he began to sink. What is that like? We've talked about that before, but what is that like to begin to sink? I mean, either you are on the water or you are in the water, right? We don't just go down gradually. But apparently he, he did. He gradually began to go down. Because the faith that he had that got him started gradually began to fade away because of what he was seeing. And then once you start to slip in, 
then it probably goes even faster. And Jesus comes over and grabs hold of them and pulls them back out. We have to get our faith to endure because there's things that are coming against you. There's things that are coming against your job. There's things that are coming against your health. There are things that are coming and you're believing God for it and I expect to see results now. And you're not. I remember that story that uh, Keith Moore told about the car. He was believing God for this new, I think it was a Buick. And uh, some of you remember the story. And he was he was believing God, but they put a time limit on it, 30 days. And they were believing God 30 days after the time ticked off, 30 days was up, they quit believing. God exhorted them later on. I'm really shortening the story. God exhorted them later on. You were doing great for 30 days. And something that God had uh, witnessed to Brother Keith there sticks with me too. If you're going to believe big, you may have to believe long. God doesn't mind you believing big. But if you're going to believe big, you may have to believe long. Peter just needed to believe longer than he did. At least get to Jesus. I mean, if he could just have stayed in that area of faith he was at when he started until he got to Jesus, that'd be better. But he didn't. He slipped down. So anyway, that sure that bit, uh, bit there with you. Put this in your outline for you. A weak walk like weak faith is one who endurance ends before the mission does. A weak walk, just like weak faith, is one whose endurance ends before the mission does. God's given you a mission. He's given you a mission with certain people. He's given you a mission in a certain area. And you are bombarded with things. You have got condemning thoughts that come in. You've got stuff that people are saying. You're hearing. Temptation is coming up. And you don't endure until the mission ends. God's given you a mission. And you quit on it. I don't know what that mission is. But He's given you a mission. And sometimes our walk is weak because we don't last to the end. Romans 14 Verse 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. If I'm doing something that I know causes my brother to stumble and I keep doing it, I'm not doing it in love. I'm doing it, well, I can do this, whether you think I can or not. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. And the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not these issues that are the kingdom of God. These things, though, are getting in. They're messing with our righteousness. They're messing with our peace. They're messing with our joy. These are things we're to have in the Holy Spirit. Quit letting these things get in, messing with your peace and with your joy. Stop quitting before the mission is over. For he who serves Christ is the, is these things, for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify another. Oftentimes, we are pursuing the things that cause strife. 
that cause division. The devil sows thoughts in my head. So-and-so is doing this. This isn't right. This is, they're not honoring you here. They're not, whatever it might be, he's just sowing thoughts into your head and you entertain them. That's not bringing peace. That's not bringing joy. That's bringing division. And it's what it's going to do is discourage you from your mission and your endurance will, will collapse. Your endurance will stop. Don't let your endurance stop. Keep on going. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Boy, how many works of God do we destroy for the sake of food or for the sake of other things? I mean, even now today, people are destroying things over masks and vaccines and and um, <laughs> six feet. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you not have faith or do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. If you approve of something, make sure it doesn't condemn yourself. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. There are many things that you can, you've gained knowledge on, you have understanding of, and it doesn't bother you to go out there and do it. But other people, they haven't come to that place. They haven't, they haven't walked into things that you have. They don't have the exact knowledge that you have. Now, knowledge puffs up. Don't let knowledge puff you up. They get puffed up too. They think they have knowledge. There's people out there, they think they have knowledge. They think they know what, what, what ought to happen here. You know, we got all kinds of people. We had the Kyle Rittenhouse case over in uh, the city. How many people had an opinion? They're set on that opinion. I think he's guilty. I think he's innocent. I think he, and they have an opinion on what's going on. Most of them didn't hear the court stuff. Some of them might. Most of them didn't hear the court things. But they formed, it didn't stop them from forming an opinion. And all you gotta do is say, well, I believe he was innocent. I believe he was guilty. And you've, off. (laughs) And that's it. Because we formed an opinion. I've told you before, if I can't hear all the facts in the thing, I'm not going to form an opinion on it. Obviously, my opinion isn't isn't warranted anyway. What good is my opinion going to do? I'm not on the jury. I'm not helping the case. you gotta, you got to let the system go the way that now. I know sometimes they, they've made mistakes and people, wrong people have been put in jail and, and people take up those causes and you know, there's, there's channels and there's ways to do that. I'm not saying that you can't do all those, those things, but do the research and make sure you find out what the testimony was before you go out there and make an opinion. The enemy loves to get us to make opinion based on hearsay. If he can get you into the habit of doing this with court cases, if he can get you into the habit of doing it with things that occurred in a riot, if he can get you into this and doing it with anything that's going on, he can get you off the word. That's why he'll do it. I'm not getting them off the word now, but if I get them off on these things, I'm going to condition them to do things not based on what they know. I'm going to get them to do things based on what they think. What they've heard. No, no, no. We've got to go after it. Father God, what does your word say about this? And you've got to pursue it. And when you find out what the word says, you've got to stick with it. 
Because understand this, waves and wind are coming. And they're going to try and get you to push from it. They're going to try and get you off. I mean, remember uh, uh, Fred Price, he was talking about, talking about that story of where he had the cold. Anybody remember that story? Faith, foolishness, presumption. I think that's where he told that. Love that story. I go over that story every once in a while just in my head. Just to, <laughs> It was such a good story. I heard him tell it. I didn't read it in the book. I heard him tell it. And um, I still see him tell it. I just I loved hearing him tell the story. It's just just great. Helped me out tremendously. But he had a cold for six weeks because he first got hold of the the teaching that Jesus is mother, and he just decided. He didn't say that this is the way anybody else had to do it. He this is the way he was going. He was really real strong with that. This is just what I decided that I was going to do. He said I decided I'm not going to take any cold medicine. I'm not going to take anything to make the fever go away, nothing to make the cough go away, nothing to make the headaches go, nothing. I'm taking nothing. I'm just standing on my faith on this one. <laughs> That's what he said. And y'all remember how long he had that? Six weeks. And his words were, in the natural, you don't have a cold for six weeks. Now this is, this is way back when people got normal sick. We don't get normal sick anymore. I understand that. But this is back when people just got normal sick and he just had a normal cold. And so he had six weeks. He's going on with cold symptoms. Six weeks. But his faith endured. <laughs> he endured six weeks. He said, I didn't take any cold medicine. He was real clear on this. I'm not saying cold medicine, taking cold medicine weakens your faith. I'm saying I did this. He was real clear, real clear about that. He just was making a stand. When you first decide to make a stand on anything, on faith, understand pressure's coming. Because if we don't get you, you know, if we don't nip this in the bud, we're going to get you off of it. No, because if you endure for six weeks, the next one isn't going to last that long. And that was his testimony. He said, I may have had that one for six weeks, but uh, I, I don't remember the other part. It was too long. That was the most part I focused on. I don't think he got sick much after that, if I remember it uh, correctly. But he went through a battle. Don't look at these people and say, well, like Brother Hagin, I haven't been having a cold for 50 years. Well, you don't know what kind of a battle he went through before that. You don't just get to where people are without doing what they did before. Understand the, the waves are coming. You make a stand, the waves are coming. But your endurance has to, to go. Aren't there scriptures? Doesn't Paul teach us and James teach us that faith and patience are hand in hand? That you have to be patient? As well as have faith. That means you gotta to endure to the end. Not till you think that you ought to be done. You gotta to endure to the end. Well, I think I believe long enough for this God. <laughs> Nobody here has ever said that, have you? <laughs> Wait, we've never said that to God. I think I believe long enough for this one. <laughs> I think it ought to be here by now. <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I tell you, I can know this stuff and still, <laughs> still come, come on back with it. But, um, don't, don't quit. Don't quit on it. Stay with it. He said, make sure I got, got the things that were before here. Receive one who is weak in the faith. You got somebody who's weak in the faith, receive them. Just like they are. Don't be over there trying to change them. 
Well, they're weak in the faith. Now, they get into doubtful things like we're not, we're not here to debate this. This is not going to help you grow. If you want to debate that, you do that in your own time. I'm here to help you with things that are going to make you grow. That's not. And you get them off on, on other stuff. Not to disputes over doubtful things. When Paul, I put this in your outline for you, when Paul outlines, uh, then outlines is to have respect for another's word based beliefs without feeling the need to pull them into your understanding of the word. Have respect for another person's word-based beliefs without feeling a need to pull them into your understanding of the word. A lot of times we don't know, in order for me to get you there, I have to get you to my understanding. Jesus does not try and get Peter into his understanding of the word. All he says is, what, why, would, why was your faith so little? Why didn't it endure? Why didn't it keep going? You started out great. Should have kept going. Now, I'm confident in my belief. You may not see it. You may see it. But I can be confident in my belief. I cultivate an atmosphere of freedom to walk as you believe, not one to conform to my beliefs. I may walk a certain way. I don't need you to conform to how I believe in order for me to be strong, in order for me to be right. If you want to believe differently, that's fine. There's a lot of times people come up to me and they'll tell me something about the Word. Well, I don't think the Word's that way. I think it's this way. Fine. That's all right. You can go ahead. They've got it set. No, no need talking about it. <laughs> Other times people come to you and says, well, I've understood it to be this way. Why is it not that way? Well, now they're asking something. And then we can have a discussion on it and we'll, we'll talk about it. But if you want to come and say, well, I don't, I don't believe that's true. I believe it's this way. Well, that's, that's fine. I'm not going to pull you into what I believe. You stay with what you got. I want you to hear from the Spirit and from the Word. Don't base things based on what I believe. you got to base them that you see it. That's why all the times we've done at church here, we always give you outlines. We always give you scriptures. We go line by line to show you this is what the Word is teaching. We don't do that, that little trick that a lot of preachers do. That's uh, read the Word and then talk about it for an hour. And then come up with any conclusion you want to. If I don't show you the conclusion in the Word, then if I don't show you somebody who did it, I'm not helping you. This is what we need to do. If you want to believe differently than that, you can. But stay on the path of strength. That path is continually build word-based beliefs. Just rephrasing the the wording we already gave you. Continually build word-based beliefs. Always be out there listening to the Word being taught. Letting people all through the week teach you in the Word. Build beliefs. Oh, I see that. Oh, there's that's that's the word. Okay, I need to build something off that. Build word-based beliefs. Not situational-based ones. Not based on what people think about God. Not what you want God to do. What did He say He would do? Build word-based beliefs. If you continually build word-based beliefs, you'll be on the path of strength. Act Act on your beliefs, not the liberties of others. Not the li- You all know my thing about wine. I don't drink wine. I don't drink strong drink. I don't drink alcohol, period. I just don't do it. There's a number of reasons for it. One, I don't like it. Why in the world am I going to drink something I don't like? I don't like it. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like it on my hands. It, it, it bothers me. 
the smell. It just bothers me. There's nothing you know, religious about it. It just bothers me. I don't like it. Beside that, I know that because I'm a pastor, people see me drinking. If they saw me drinking, no one has ever seen me drinking. But if they did, they would, oh, wait, the pastor's doing that. Maybe I can, and they might go in a way. I, I don't want to do it for that. But beside that, I don't like it. So it's not hard. It's not hard to stay out of the temptation of something you don't like. You know, you're just not tempted. Now, I know other people, they, they like to have wine. I don't go in there and say, well, you need to quit doing that in my presence. No, you can drink wine all you want to. I'm not going to get bothered by it. I don't get bothered if somebody pulled out scotch and started drinking it. That's what you want to drink. You're not getting it by me. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But I'm not going to tell you, hey, in my presence, don't do that. I don't tell people. I don't use cuss words. I never have used cuss words. I didn't grow up learning to use them. I didn't grow up needing to use them. When something happens, I don't need to cuss. Because I never have. Other people, they grew up different. I don't get in their presence and say, don't cuss in front of me. Well, what good is that going to do? If they're going to go cuss when they're away from me. <laughs> going to cuss when they're in front. It's, it's not going to make them more saved. Nobody went to hell because they were cussing. They went to hell because they rejected Jesus. So, don't impose these things on. Act on your beliefs, not the liberties of others. I may get out there and I may, may see somebody and uh, maybe they're a uh, pastor and they're having a beer. Well, I'm denying myself beer all this time. I'm just going to go out there and... I don't think I deny myself beer at all. That stuff stinks. How do people drink it? Everybody I've ever asked that question, I've asked people, how do you drink it? And I've asked people that question and they all, all say the same thing. Well, you learn to. Why in the world do I want to learn to drink stuff when there's stuff I already like? I just drink it. This is eggnog season. Alcohol-free eggnog. <laughs> I love, love eggnog. Love eggnog. My uh, granddaughter, she loves eggnog too. So we, we too, we sit over there and we guzzle it. Uh, I just can't sip it. I just, I get that thing of eggnog. You know, it's, it just seems like such a nice thing to have a drink that people sip. Coffee. People have coffee, they sip it. You just sip. Just sit around and sip coffee. It's a nice little social drink. You sit there and you sip your coffee. And I, I get that eggnog. I don't sip it. <laughs> it just goes right down. I intend to sip it, but it doesn't happen. I start drinking. Oh, man, this is good. Oh, oh this is good. Oh, and it is good. I just like it. All right. Act on your beliefs, not the liberties of others. Walk free of condemning thoughts. The devil is going to sow condemning thoughts into your head. Other people are going to sow condemning thoughts into your head. You have got to train yourself not to give in to them. If so-and-so comes to you and says, Did you hear what this person did? <gasps> they didn't. Oh, and you begin to think things about that person because of what you heard. You are training yourself wrong. And you are making yourself weak. Do not do it. Don't go that way. As soon as somebody tells you something, if you can't just stop them from talking, then just... Let it go in one ear and out the other. And make sure your behavior is not based off of what you heard. Eliminate it. Get it out. Walk free of condemning thoughts. You will make yourself stronger. Every condemning thought that you bring into your head will make you weaker. Every single one. I don't care if they're condemning thoughts about your kids, condemning thoughts about your spouse, condemning thoughts about your parents, condemning thoughts about your boss, Condemning thoughts about your coworkers, condemning thoughts about your neighbors, condemning thoughts about your church people. Any condemning 
thought you allow into your body, into your mind, will weaken you. It will. You won't notice it, that it will weaken you. It will bring you down. It will hinder you. Don't let it happen. Walk free of condemning thoughts. Expose temptation by the light of the word. That's, I can't phrase that any better. Expose temptation by the light of the word. Don't expose temptation. I don't want to do that. That's not exposing temptation. That's declaring my desire. No. Follow Jesus' examples. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, what did he do? He brought the word in. The word says, man shall not eat by bread alone. Or live by bread alone. That's what the word says. The word says, do not tempt the Lord your God. Every time the devil brought a temptation, he brought in the word. Every time a temptation comes into your life, don't just say, I'm not going to do that. Don't just say, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that because it will hurt me. Don't just say that. Expose it by the word. That's Jesus' example. There was never a time in the word that we saw him face temptation that he did not expose it by the word. You've got to bring the light of the word. Well, I don't know what the word would be. Ask somebody. Have people you can text. <laughs> Brother so-and-so, I got. what do you do for this temptation? What's the word on this? <laughs> and get them to help out. And you'll, uh, you'll learn. But don't just ignore the temptation. Just don't resist it. It's good to resist it. But don't just resist it. Expose it by the light of the word. And here's the last one. Do so on your own. You see, weak people can't do things on their own. They've stumbled. They've hurt themselves. They need someone to come alongside them and help them. That's a weak person. A strong person does it on their own. That's what you need to be. You need to get yourself from a weak person to a strong person and then keep yourself there. You need to be able to do this on your own. I don't need someone to come along and hold me up. I need to do this. So, stay on the path of strength. I gave you this one too. Stay on your mission. I could just give you four of these words here, but I'll expand them here. Stay on your mission. Endure until the mission is over. Find recruits. You need people on your support team. Find recruits. Be looking out for people to bring onto your team. You may be bringing on, brought onto their team too. That's all right. Find people to bring on your team. Find recruits. Second, accept assignments. God may say, I want you to help that person. Oh, I don't want to help that person. How many people have ever been assigned somebody that did not want to help? Yep. Accept the assignment. You don't know that that person might turn into somebody who's going to help or just in the process of helping them, things, things are done so that you have the support that you need. Stay on mission. Find recruits. Accept assignments. Build strength, not weakness. Do the things that make for strength, not the things that make for weakness. And here's the last one. Continue until the end. Endure. Continue until the end. God, how much longer can I go? Have you ever said that? Oh, how much longer can I go? I don't think I can go much longer. Oh, how much longer can I go? No, you can make it to the end. That's one of the things we did in cross country. Always make it to the end. And there was a couple of races I didn't think I was going to do it. I mean, they're short races. They're only five, six miles. They're not real long races. We're not talking about marathons. We're talking about five, six mile races. They're short races. But you're, you race them at a faster pace. There are many times, I don't think I can make it. I, I'm, Talking to my body. You will make it. You will. <laughs> Keep going. 
Keep going. One of the mantras they have for runners, you can use it for your own life, just have to adopt a little bit, but one of the mantras they have for runners is run the mile you're in. Run the mile you're in. I can't run the next mile. I run this mile. This is the mile I'm running. Run. You're here in this part of your life. Take this one on. If you're going to build endurance, you got to stay with you. Don't be looking down the road for the mission. I got to stay today. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I need to stay. Stay. Don't leave the mission. Stay on the mission. Keep on going. So I'll give it to you again. Find recruits, accept assignments, build strength, not weakness, and continue until the end. You'll find yourself strong. Do the things that make for strength. Don't do the things that make for weakness. Too many Christians are doing the things that make for weakness and they wonder, why am I not strong when I need to be? Why am I finding myself weak when I'm hitting these these things? You want to be strong. You want to be one of the ones that is strong. Get the, the weakness out of your life. I love that phrase. I think it comes from the Marines. Pain is weakness leaving the body. I love that. I keep that around me. Keep it on. I'm not a Marine, but I, and I think that's where it came from, but I keep it around me. Pain is weakness leaving the body. My mentality is every time I feel pain, something bad is leaving. Something I don't want is leaving. When I'm in the chiropractor's office and he's working on something and there's pain, I'm thinking, this is weakness. It's leaving. It's going out. This is what you've got to be thinking all the time. Because the devil's trying to get you and get in your head. Quit. Quit. You don't want to do this anymore. Quit. Quit. Don't quit. Keep on going. Because you see, quitting promotes weakness. Stay to the end. We look at Peter's story in the, on the water and we think weak faith. And yet, no one else has done what he did. Because he didn't endure. We see it as weak. Be enduring. Whatever your mission assignment is, whatever it is that you took up for God, stay with it. Don't leave it. Don't move on. Don't give up. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that there is not a mission, there is not an assignment that you have given us that you did not equip us for, that you did not make us ready to be able to do. Even Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, he was equipped with what he needed to walk on the water. He had the command of God and he had faith in that command and he walked on the water. Most of us don't have a problem starting. Most of us have a problem enduring. Help us to see your hand in those things in our life where the promise of God seems to be delayed, where our believing seems to continue on. You have equipped us with everything we need to endure until the end. And we will not stop until the mission is over. You may have us on a mission for certain people in our lives. You may have us on a mission for certain things for the kingdom, things for our family, whatever it might be. But help us to continue on. For the devil wants to send the wind and the waves. He wants to get us to focus on them and get our eyes off of Christ 
that our eyes off of where our faith is to be because then he knows we will sink. And then fear comes in. But you have made us able to endure. Glory be to your name. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. In the weeks to come, take up this challenge. What is it that you're believing for that your endurance has been getting kind of wishy-washy on? You feel yourself slipping. Renew yourself on that mission. Focus on that mission. When you write up some praise reports, put in some things about what you're doing and what God has called you to do. What endurance you're having. What direction you're going. Stay with it. Don't don't give up. Because it's the endurance that we need. God is looking for people who will endure, who will stay, who will not quit. Have a great rest of your week. Bless some of the people here before you go. Always be looking for who's going to be on my support team and whose support team can I be on. Have a great week.